0: It's absolutely lovely to be here with you this morning. December is here. Haven't the guys done an amazing job over the weekend of putting up all the decorations? The Grace Centre looks lovely, doesn't it? I, I love this time because now we can finally, legitimately start to talk about Christmas. I'm not one of those complete lunatics who starts putting up their decorations in November. Have we got any of those in here? I think some of you are lying. <laughs> I know that some of you do. My, um, my husband's birthday is in the middle of December, and when we got married, his mother told me very, very strictly that we were not, under, or I was not, allowed to put up any Christmas decorations until his birthday was over, because it wasn't going to be fair on him not to be able to celebrate his birthday. And so for years, because I am a very good and faithful wife, for years I stuck to this, and there was no decorations... Going up until after his birthday. And then a couple of years ago, my kids were like, Mum, can't we put them up? And I was like, Well, darling, you know, daddy's birthday is very special. And, uh, and then I thought, This is ridiculous. He's a full grown man. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to him, and I was like, Darling, do you mind, like, I know it's your birthday, and he looked at me like I was completely mental, he had no idea what I was talking about, he had no idea his mother had been doing this all these years for him, so that was 15 years of our life spent not putting up decorations when we could have, Um, so now we're only three days into December, and a tinsel bomb is about to go off into our house, and that's, that's good, um, now that's actually got very little to do with this morning's preach except for the fact that this preach is going to be very Christmassy because we are going to be looking at the book of Matthew as we continue to do this. And today's passage is all about the announcement of the birth of Jesus. And it is a really, really cool story because it tells us, all about Jesus and all about who Jesus is. So shall we have a look? We are in Matthew chapter 1. It's verse 18 to 25. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, then please do. But it is um, up on the screen at the moment. So it starts with this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So that is the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. So here we're introduced to Joseph, and Joseph is engaged to be married to Mary. And in those days, an engagement was a really legally binding agreement, and it wasn't something that could be broken lightly. And uh, sorry, just one second. And he finds out that Mary, his betrothed, has what sounds like being unfaithful to him. Now, we know that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit because the passage has told us that. But when Joseph first found out, he didn't have this information. And Matthew tells us that upon hearing this, Joseph's first thought was concern for Mary. It was concern for her. He had compassion. He says that Joseph didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Now, he had every right to do so. And in fact, under the law of those days, if someone was engaged to someone and had relations with somebody else, then they could have been stoned to death. But he says that Joseph didn't want to expose her, which is a really exceptional response, and it tells us a lot about who Joseph is. And then after he's had some time to consider what he's going to do, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and tells him Mary's pregnant and that she hasn't been unfaithful at all, but actually she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say that they will name him Jesus. And when Joseph woke up, he didn't hesitate. He went to Mary, he married her, and he took her home, and Mary became family under his protection. Now, This is a really short passage that we're looking at this morning, but it is absolutely gorgeous, and there is so much in here that we can learn. But you might notice from it that there's actually very little in here about the birth of Jesus, yeah? There's no stable, there's no innkeepers, there's no angels singing from on high, and all of those things are super cool, and there's loads that we can learn from them, but that isn't the focus of Matthew here as he introduces to us Jesus' birth. Because what he is wanting us to do is he is focusing first and foremost, not on this tender infant baby, but on who Jesus actually is and why his birth is so important. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We have been singing songs this morning about how beautiful the name of Jesus is, about how wonderful the name of Jesus is. And I love it when God does this thing where he uses our worship to prepare our hearts for the word that he's going to bring in the morning. And I just adore it. And that's what he's been doing today. So Matthew refers to the name of Jesus twice in this one passage. First of all, he talks about his name, Jesus and what that means, and then he talks about that he is going to be called Emmanuel, and then what that means, and so we're going to take a look at that. So to start with, the angel says to Joseph, is this really echoey, or is that okay? It's okay, sorry, thank you. Um, Start with, the angel says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And what that means literally is Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. And Yahweh is the name um, that God gives himself in the Old Testament. So the name Jesus quite literally means God saves. And for the Israelites, who were at the time that Jesus was born, the name Joshua would have had huge connotations for them. And it was a name that was used quite regularly Um, Joshua was a man who had the privilege of leading the Israelites into the promised land after Moses had brought them out from Egypt. And under Joshua's leadership, the enemies of Israel had been conquered, right? He had, his name uh, came up, sorry, (laughs) Joshua had his name from the same word of being a saviour because he was a saviour, albeit a temporary saviour to the Israelites, And there's also a further connection in the Old Testament with the high priest Joshua, who was responsible for the spiritual salvation of the Israelites. And so the name Jesus, this Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, was a very familiar name to the people at the time that Jesus was born, but it didn't have any particularly sacred connotations to it at the time. But this Jesus, the angel tells us, this Jesus was going to save his people from their sins totally different. So the angel, he's going beyond uh, just giving him the name Yahweh saves. He makes it explicit that this is exactly why he is called this. He will do this because he will save his people from their sins. So you see this, the angel's revelation to Joseph is very specific. It's not that Jesus is going to come along and free his people from the Romans. He's not going to free them in some kind of general sense. Many of the Jews were waiting for a saviour to come along and free them. But the angel doesn't say that Jesus is going to end Israel's captivity under Rome. He's really, really specific. He says Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. This is the announcement of a spiritual kingdom. It's completely different from anything that they've been hearing about so far. The word Jesus or God saves is no longer about about conquest anymore. It's about salvation. It's about being saved, not from human enemies, not from the penalties of sin even, but from sin itself. It's about saving us from ourselves. Now, the eagle-eyed among you might spot what kind of almost looks like a caveat in this statement, I think, because it says Jesus will save his people from their sins. His people. And so, you might want to look at that and think, well, hold on, what does that mean by his people? Who does that mean? Because that's really specific, isn't it? Well, Joseph is quite likely to have understood his people to have meant the people of Israel, to be solely those who are within the Jewish nation. But that is not what Scripture says about this, okay? Because in John 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever... Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That the world might be saved through him. And then in Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. That is it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Whoever believes in him, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved from their sins, will be saved from the destructive power of guilt and shame and ultimately death because Jesus took your sin upon himself. He took my sin on himself so that we wouldn't have to do it. And the Jews, they were called the people of God because he had chosen them to himself and he regarded them as his special and beloved people. But when Jesus came, he flung the door wide open, completely and utterly open to all people. And as Christians, we are called the people of Christ, that is literally our name, Christians, because it was the purpose of the Father to give him to us. In John 6, verse 37, Jesus himself says, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And in Titus, he says, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. See, so when the angel says that Jesus will save his people from their sins, he's talking about us. It's amazing. He is talking about everyone who comes to him, to everybody who calls on his name. And through Christ, we are made his very own when we do this. If you have given your life to Jesus, we belong to him. We are his people. It is absolutely incredible. There is no one who can save you from yourself other than Jesus. There is no one. You can try as hard as you like. You can read every single self-help book that there is out there. But salvation from your sins will only ever be found in Jesus. And this Jesus, who the angel was declaring all about, would make himself the sacrifice for our sins. He would pay the penalty and die a horrible death on the cross, even though he didn't even want to, but he would do it He would save us from the penalty that should have been ours. And this gift is completely and freely given to anyone who calls on his name, to anyone who acknowledges that they need him, that they are wretched without him, and who comes to him. And when we do come to him, we become his people. His people. The people that the angel is referring to. And if you haven't yet, given your life to Christ and you want to do so, then Jesus's invitation is wide open. It's wide open to anybody. That passage there from John, whoever comes to me, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never, ever drive away. That is amazing. There is nothing that we have in this world that is an equivalent of that. There is no other place where we can have absolute surety that we will find sanctuary and never be, and ever be driven away. You'll never be turned away by Jesus ever. It's so beautiful and it's so undeserved, but his grace and his mercy is phenomenal. Now, that's not all this passage has to say about who this Jesus is. Okay, Because the angel goes on to say, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, it might be a little bit confusing. So is his name Jesus or is his name Emmanuel? Which is it? Well, it just can be a little bit helpful to kind of get our heads around it. Jesus is the name that was given to him at birth, like my name was Ashley, given to me at birth. But Emmanuel is what he would come to be called by people. It was a name that was used to describe who he was, now, part of what makes the book of Matthew so absolutely incredible is that he is continually pointing back to how Jesus is the fulfillment of so much of Scripture. And last week, Joe led us through some of the coolest stuff in the book of Matthew about how uh, the life of Jesus has such symmetry to so much of what was going on in Genesis. And as we will continue going through this, se- this series over the next few weeks and couple of months coming up, it will continuously see how he points back to the fulfillment of prophecy and of scripture. And the language that the angel uses here in this verse is no coincidence either, because in using this exact words, what the angel is doing is pointing back to a prophecy from seven hundred years ago when this guy called Isaiah said Behold, the maiden conceived and bears a son and calls his name Emmanuel. Now, 700 years before Jesus was born and the angel said that, those exact words were said. Like, look at, those, look at that similarity. It's not a coincidence, is it? See, this prophecy from Isaiah, similar to the way that Matthew has already been introducing Jesus, is not concerned with the manner of Jesus' birth, but with the deliverance that would happen as a result of... Of Jesus's birth. And as we've already seen, Matthew doesn't spend lots of time here talking about shepherds and stables and innkeepers, and all of those things are cool, and there is so much to be learned about those as well. I'm not dismissing them, but Matthew's introduction here, setting the scene for the whole of the rest of telling us about Jesus's life, it gets straight to the heart of who Jesus is. He will be called Emmanuel. Now, the name Emmanuel itself is a Hebrew word, and its literal translation is given to us already in the passage. It means God with us. Now, when it was first used by Isaiah, it's likely that people thought it sort of meant that God was, God was with them, like cheering them on, you know, like, yeah, I'm with you, you can do this, go for it kind of thing. But that's not what's happening here in this passage, that's not what is meant, because Matthew has just given an account of the most miraculous conception of Jesus, and his has been begotten by the Holy Spirit. So God was therefore the Father, which meant that this child was fully divine, fully divine, as well as being fully human. And his name meant quite literally in Hebrew that God had come down to be with us in the form of Jesus. See, this child born of the Holy Spirit is God himself, which is just just amazing, right? But it's kind of hard to get your head around too, isn't it? And I think people can spend their whole lives knowing this truth, but still trying to kind of grapple with what that really means. How is it possible for God to be in Jesus, for Jesus to be God? Well... Jesus himself actually explains it in John 14:7 when he is talking to his disciples and he says to them If you really know me you will know my Father as well from now on you do know me so you do know him and you have seen him Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after, after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Yeah, when Jesus came, God came. God with us. And I find this passage in Hebrews, uh, it's in chapter 1, verse 3. It's so helpful for me in understanding this. And it says, the Son... Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So Jesus is the exact, the exact representation of God's being. Now, just to be clear, we aren't talking about what he looks like physically here, okay? The word that's used in this passage for representation comes from this word in Greek, hypostasios, which means the, like the underlying substance, okay? So what's, what he's saying here is he's talking about the nature, the underlying substance of who God is, is the exact representation. It tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, right? He shines it out. When you look upon Jesus, you look upon God. And radiance, I love the words in here, radiance is a really active word, isn't it? It's like a fire radiates heat, yeah? The sun, it radiates light. It's not just a reflection, it's not just a picture, it's like an active giving out of. He doesn't only reflect God's glory, it radiates from him. Because Jesus was fully God. But through his birth, by Mary, he was also fully human. And we can see his humanity throughout his life. When his good friend Lazarus died, the Bible tells us that Jesus cried. And after fasting in the desert, the Bible told us that Jesus was hungry. He felt passion and he felt Grief, And he got scared at the garden in Gethsemane before he was crucified. He asked for God to take away his upcoming suffering. He knew that he was about to have to go through some horrendous things. That there was going to be an intense time of suffering. And not wanting to go through that, asking God if there was any way to take it away, even though he did it anyway, but not wanting to have to do that. That is a fully human response. And yet he still did it. For us. And I think that there is value in pausing for a minute to just think about that because God, in His incredible mercy, came down from heaven to reside with us in Jesus and because of these four amazing gospel books that we have in the bible the books of Matthew and of Mark and Luke and John we can know so much about Jesus we know so much about his birth about his ministry about his life about his friends about his death and about his resurrection and we can learn so much about who Jesus is and therefore who God is through this and you know if you want to know what God thinks about something, just see what Jesus says about it. If you want to know what God thinks about the holiness of his church, see Jesus as he knocks over the temple uh, traders and drives them out, people who are trying to, like, um, who are trying to make money out of, out of the temple. Or if you want to know what God thinks about people living in poverty who have to make compromises in their life, well... You can look at the tenderness and compassion that Jesus has to the woman who was caught in adultery, who was likely to be a sex worker, when he says to her, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Or if you want to know what Jesus thinks about a constant busyness that we always have in our life, look at how he went to Martha, and all he wants her to do is just sit and be blessed by his presence and just listen to him. And if you want to know how seriously... God takes sin, just look at Jesus. God, who took it so seriously that he allowed himself to be tortured and die a horrific death in order to pay for our sins through his body. What a privilege it is that we can look at the life of Jesus and know God. We can know so much of his character, we can know his heart, because he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. God is with us. I'll say it again. God is with us. It is the most beautiful assurance, the most beautiful assurance that you will never be alone. Okay? He is with you when you are sleeping. He is with you when you are eating. He is with you when you rise up and you go to work. He is with you when you are on the school run. He is with you when you are at a funeral. He is with you when you are giving birth. He is with you when you are at home and at work and when you are laughing your socks off. And he is with you when you close the door and break down. He is with you. Okay? And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 31, he will be with you. He will never never leave you nor forsake you. And so no matter what your life feels like at the moment, whether you are grieving or rejoicing or anxious or relaxed, God is with you. It's who he is. He can't not be. It is who he is. He will not leave you. Praise God. We are so secure in him. And this this is God's heart for us, okay, is that, we would live a life with him. Okay, Jesus, he ate and he slept and he talked and he walked with his friends. He had friends who was living life with. And God doesn't need to ask about your day and you need to tell him every little bit of it because he doesn't know. But actually, his heart is for you to talk with him that you would live a life with him because he loves you and he wants to share your joys and he wants to share your sorrows and your achievements and your failures, just as he did when he was walking with his friends. He wants to build intimacy with you, right? And the most beautiful thing is that when we do that, when we regularly talk with God He opens himself up more for us to understand. So we can know who he is. All we have to do is look at Jesus. And the more you spend time in prayer and reading scripture, the more God will reveal himself to you. Because that's his heart. That he is with us and that we will know him through it. And the the glorious news as well is this isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. right? This isn't just like this was nice for the Israelites living their best lives walking around with Jesus, because God, God being with us didn't end when Jesus ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. Yeah, at the very end of the book of Matthew, I'm sorry if this is any spoilers, but if you haven't read all of the book of Matthew, then go ahead and do it. We don't have to wait to the end. But at the end, Jesus reaffirms this in his closing words when he says this. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that amazing? At Christmas time, um, the nativity narratives can kind of place our focus on this tiny little baby. And that's lovely. But this passage raises our eyes above those cozy, stable scenes. And invites us to awe and wonder at who this baby is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is Jesus. He has come to save us, his people, and that is anyone who puts their faith in him from their sins. In 2 Colossians 13, it says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is the Jesus of Christmas, right? This is amazing. No more guilt. No more shame. No more death. He is the saviour of the world. And that is what we are celebrating as we start to get all Christmassy and start thinking about our twinkly lights and all that sort of stuff in December, right? He conquered death. He conquered sin. This gorgeous beginning of the Christmas story that we have here. This is his purpose. This is why Jesus came, And if you haven't given your life to Jesus and you want to, then Jesus' invitation is wide open. Ola made a kind of an announcement for that earlier this morning. It's not a one-time offer, right? Like Jesus wants you to come to him. That passage there from John that says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. You will never be turned away from Jesus, ever. He is so full of compassion. He sees you exactly where you are and he wants you to come to him. He is gentle. Shall we pray? We're going to pray. It wasn't a question. We're going to pray. <laughs> and then we are going to carry on worshipping him some more. We are going to worship the risen Christ who has saved us from our sins. So shall we stand, band? Do you guys want to come back on up? Yeah, Lord. Jesus, as we enter into this season of joy, but of busyness as well, we ask, would you keep our eyes fixed firmly on you and on who you are? We thank you, God, that you are with us. We thank you that you sent Jesus so that we could know so much of who you are. And we thank you that we are not alone. And this promise that you will be with us until the end of the age is incredible, Father. We thank you so much for it. It is such a privilege that through Jesus we can know you. But we acknowledge, we acknowledge God that we are utterly dependent on you. There is no one else who can do this for us. Jesus, we need you. We need you. And so we come to you this morning repentant and say, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for thinking that we can do it alone? Would you forgive us for thinking that we don't need you? Lord, we love you, we are so grateful for you in our lives. Thank you that you have indeed saved us from our sins, Lord Jesus, we adore you, we adore you, thank you Lord. and if you 're kind of on the fence this morning if you're you 've maybe had a glimpse of what it 's like to be in god 's presence, maybe you 've been coming to church for ages, but you don 't really yet know what it 's like to have God with you and you want to then we'd love to pray for you and as the band is praying as is playing and praying <laughs> then do come on up find me there's Tony here Joe Ola we'd love to pray with you about that don't leave here this morning thinking oh I wish I wish I had right god is with you he loves you he wants to know you thank you lord for all of your amazing love to us amen